you're interested in running for school board, magistrate, or even state representative, you need Get Elected. From campaign websites and printed materials to platform development and strategy, Get Elected helps down-ballot Republican candidates reach more voters and win more elections on a tight budget. Visit GetElected.org to learn more. Good afternoon, folks. Welcome to The Elephant in the Room, the Republican Committee of Allegheny County's new show broadcasting here on WJAS 1320 AM on Saturdays at 1 p.m. Thank you for joining us today. And, you know, we want to talk about the elephant in the room. Let me get right into it because we have an exciting show planned for you today. Next Tuesday on May 17th, Republicans across the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania are going to go to the polls and select nominees that they believe should be going up against the Democrats here in November. When you look at the record inflation we have across the country, 40-year highs, gas prices setting records in the state of Pennsylvania, you look at the supply chain crisis, we can't get formula for our infants, we have a president that doesn't know what day it is or where he's at at any particular time, this should be a big red wave year for Republicans. However, the only ones that can screw it up are ourselves. And that's one of the things that scares me and one of the reasons why you The voters, when you go to the polls next Tuesday, need to make the very best choice and pick the right people if we want to take and win back the governor's mansion and maintain our majorities in the House and Senate. So today, our first interview, we have somebody on the line here, is a candidate for governor, someone I've gotten to know and have a great appreciation for, and that is Dave White. Dave, how are you today? Sam, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Listen, it's our pleasure. We appreciate you joining. Dave, one of the things that you and I, we hit it off on is, you know, we have similar backgrounds. You know, I was a former, I was a building tradesman when I got out of the Marine Corps. You know, I was a union glazer, went through their apprenticeship program and became a journeyman before I then, you know, shifted and got into sales. You know, you want to tell us about yourself and your path and why you believe you're able to bring new voters into this party with private sector unions and building tradespeople. Sam, thanks so much. And you're right. We are similar backgrounds, but you and I are also similar to, uh, so many people across the state that are hardworking men and women, blue-collar men and women, that go out and work all day, carry a lunchbox to work, work long hours, and try to do better for our children and our grandkids. I am a steam fitter. That's my trade. I knew I was going to be a steam fitter, Sam, when I was 12th grade. So I did what I knew I wanted to do and then started a business with my wife, Debbie, 20 years ago and grew it to what is now an $85 million a year business. Employees 85 to 100 uh, union men and women. And that is what the American dream, what Pennsylvania is all about. And you're right. Because I'm a blue-collar steam fitter, I'm drawing new people into our party. Donald Trump really did a great job in 2020 getting about 70% of the private sector building trades, private sector unions, into our party. I'm also getting the leadership to endorse us. And that scares Josh Shapiro to death because that's money from Josh. That's the membership voting for us, not Josh Shapiro. And that's boots on the ground going door to door for uh, my campaign and not Josh Shapiro's. That's literally a million dollar vote swing from the Democrats to the Republicans if I'm a nominee that comes through the primary on Tuesday. And I, I think that's an important point to make, Dave. I mean, politics, for folks who don't seem to understand it, really, is a game of uh, addition, not subtraction. And what you're looking to do is you're trying to bring as many people into the party as you can. You know, and, and former President Trump, I mean, he did a great job in reaching out to those blue-collar workers, those people who have felt disaffected, that no one was speaking for them, whose manufacturing jobs have left this state and left this country. And he gave these folks hope, you know, and I, for one, appreciate what you're doing and reaching out to these folks and telling them, hey, there's a place here 
in the Republican Party for you. Because you know what? If you can feed your family and put a roof over their heads, a lot of the other problems we face in life seem insignificant by comparison. You know, and so to be able, the ability to provide good paying jobs here and attract business and investment to this Commonwealth is paramount. And I don't believe we'll be able to do that with Josh Shapiro in tax increases if he becomes the governor here in November. Without a doubt, Josh Shapiro will not be able to do it because as nominee, I'm taking those men and women and they're coming to vote for us. I'm all about energy, Sam, as uh, we've discussed. I want to put our energy economy I want to take it to the next level and the level above that. I'm all about pipelines, me being a pipe fitter. I want to put pipelines across our interstates, our, our turnpike in the right-of-ways, our northeast extension, so we can start to transport that product that we have. That's what takes us to the next level. That's what really gets our economy going. I believe in the energy we have beneath our feet. I'm going to make sure we're able to export that to different states and different countries and really rev our uh, economy and the spark that'll do that is the energy. And only a businessman, a pipe fitter, knows how to get that up and going. And I'm the only one on the ballot that has those two distinctions next to his name. That's another good point, Dave. You know, when you talk about this, and we're talking about energy dominance here in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, it's not just a Pennsylvania issue here, but it's really a national security issue. You know, if you look at what's going on across the world here and what's taking place in Ukraine, the ability to be able to supply, you know, our allies in Europe with liquid natural gas, you can prevent the Russians from being in that position and thereby deprive them of the money they use to create this mischief, such as invading other countries. So, I mean, this is a, I mean, it is really important that we make the best decisions on Tuesday and pick the best people to represent the Republican Party here in November. No doubt about that. And, and you're absolutely right. We have hundreds of years worth the product, natural resources beneath our feet. And I'm, I'm famous for saying this, Sam. I don't want to be like Texas. I want to beat Texas. I want to be the energy capital of the United States and compete with the Saudi Arabias of this world. That's how much I believe in our energy. That's how much I believe in our natural resources. There are the plans that I have, and I'm the only one candidate on the Republican side that have those plans to put those pipelines so we can really get our energy sector up and moving again. Over the past eight years, Governor Wolf and Josh Shapiro have been a disaster. And obviously, over the uh, past 18 months, President Biden has really shut this down. We're going to open it up. We're going to turn on the faucets. And we are going to get everything moving and people up and working again. The blue-collar workers, the pipe fitters, the steam fitters, the building trades, they're looking for the same thing we are, just to get out and work and make a living, get a decent wage, raise a family, and have a better future. I'm offering that. I'm the guy that can do that for them because I am one of them. We've tried politicians and and prosecutors and attorneys. Sam, it's now time to try a blue-collar worker that literally built a business from his own kitchen table and grew it to what it is today. That's the work ethic I'll bring to Harrisburg, and that's why we will get a lot done with the Dave White administration. And Dave, that's great, Dave. And, you know, let me ask you a question here and bring up something. Fox News poll, which was released this week, okay, showed State Senator Doug Mastriano you in the lead with 29%, and it had Lou Barletta, Bill McSwain, and yourself in the pack sort of tied there at the margin of error. I know that many of Doug's supporters support him because they're concerned about election reform. Could you go on and explain to the folks here what you would do to take and reform our election process to restore confidence and ensure the folks that our elections are now secure and that uh, we have election integrity? I sure will. And first of all, we should have never voted for Act 77. We have a Commonwealth Court that literally deemed it unconstitutional. 
So it should have never passed at that point. But with that being said, I want to bring election integrity and reform. I will make sure that we outlaw drop-off boxes. They've been a disaster. All they've been allowing is people to ballot harvest and put additional ballots in there. I will make sure we have voter ID laws. I will make sure we do away with the no-excuse mail-in ballots. But I'll also make sure that we go through our voting rolls every year and every other year to make sure that we those voting rolls are clean. Down in Florida, if someone passes away, it's tied into the voting rolls. Their name is automatically removed from the voting rolls. That's what we have to prevent. We got to prevent these cemeteries from having a uh, bigger turnout than a lot of the cities in the the state. And that's what I'm going to prevent. I'm going to make sure we have integrity. I'm going to make sure that one vote, one person, and that everybody is safe and secure on Election Day, that we had a good, fair, and honest vote. And with my proposal, I'll make sure that gets done. Dave, I appreciate that because I don't know if you know this, but back in 2020, I was the only chairman in the uh, Commonwealth of Pennsylvania that challenged electors that were on the ballot here. They'd been approved to vote by absentee or mail-in ballot by Allegheny County, but they weren't showing up on the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania's list of registered electors the Wednesday before the election. So that Friday before the election, we filed a challenge with the Allegheny County elections in court, and uh, we put up money to do so. And we ended up challenging, it was initially 236, but we had provided them a list of almost 1,900 names. And the majority of the folks who were on that list had actually signed up for ballots, but passed away. You know, yeah. and, and what we have here in Allegheny County, typically in the 13,000 to 13,500 range, we lose. We have our residents, you know, pass away each year. So it's important that these things be kept up to date. But I want to let you know that that's something near and dear to us because it's something that we dealt with firsthand. So thank you for being willing to step up and do that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to doing it to make sure these votes are, are fair. That's a, our democracy will not exist if we can't have confidence in our elections. And I'm the guy that's going to get that done. Well, you know, we, uh, as a, just a side note, we actually had them go through all the ballots and pull 23 ballots that had come in where the voter had actually passed away that we were aware of. One of them happened to be the minority leader in the Senate's mother. Oh, no kidding. Yep. <laughs> so you have a chance here to speak to the people here, our committee, as well as all the listeners of WJAS that are listening today, and tell them why you believe that you're the one that they should vote for when they go to the polls on Tuesday. Sam, thanks, and thanks for the opportunity. It's because I am like the people across Pennsylvania. I'm a steam fitter. I'm a blue-collar worker that literally carries a lunch pail to work. I've done that for 30 years and then started a business and grew a business to what it was today. I started that business off my kitchen table, mortgaging my house, my life savings, literally putting everything on the line. We need to have a business-type mentality in Harrisburg. We need one of our own a blue-collar worker in Harrisburg. I'm also the guy that can beat Josh Shapiro because I'm the complete opposite of Josh Shapiro. I'm a business guy, high school graduate, Votech student that has never went to college and has, has built this business to what it is. That's what we need, that kind of hard work. I'm the guy that can expand our party. I'm the guy that can swing a million votes from the Democrats to the Republicans. That's because now Donald Trump was great bringing the rank and file into our party. I'm now getting the leadership to come into the Republican Party, into my campaign. If we can get the leadership in our my campaign and we continue, we will be red this state for a generation. That's why it's important to get me through the ballot on Tuesday, get me through the primary. I will be the only one that can beat Josh Shapiro, add to our uh, margins in the House and Senate. 
and that's what we need. We need a big defeat of Josh Shapiro. We don't need someone that's a little bit like him. We need someone that's the complete opposite, and that's me, Sam. Hey, Dave, one of the things uh, we saw earlier this week, uh, Senate pro temp uh, Jay Corman uh, took and withdrew or suspended his campaign in stepping out of the race, recognizing that there wasn't a path forward for him. What would you say to the other candidates who also there's no path forward but still remain in the race? What would you say to them? Well, they all have to make up their own mind, Sam. It, let me tell you, it, it's difficult. When you're running every day for six months, eight months, nine months, it, it's difficult to decide to get out of the race. Jake saw no path. He was down in the uh, low single digits, saw no pathway to, to victory. I'm not going to be the one to tell others that they have to follow his lead or not follow his lead. That has to be up a, a decision of their own. I believe I have the best path. I believe I will be victorious on Tuesday. I believe that we have the momentum moving. We have 150 union members handing out literature over in the uh, southeast for me over the next three days during the weekend. We have the momentum. We're moving. We're going to win on Tuesday, and then we are going to win in November for this great Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. Hey, Dave, in closing, if someone wanted to help your campaign, where do they go? What's your website address? DaveWhiteForGovernor.com. Sam, that's DaveWhiteForGovernor.com. That'll get you signed up. Give it a couple minutes because we have a lot of people signing up, getting in touch with our social media. But we can use all the help. We can use all the votes. Don't forget to come out May 17th and vote for Dave White so we can transform Pennsylvania and move Pennsylvania forward. Dave, we appreciate you joining us today. Best of luck on Tuesday. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Sam. Look forward to seeing you again. You've got it. Have a great day. Hey, John, that was great to hear from Dave White. We heard last week, we had heard from Lou Barletta, and Jay Corman at the time. And, you know, Dave is somebody that I think is uniquely positioned to try to move forward here and a challenge. You know, I think a lot of folks are going to ask, you know, Chairman DeMarco, why do you have an issue or what is your concern about Senator Mastriano? And, I, you know, there's no personal thing involved here. I mean, it's purely I'm trying to look out for the party. John, party leaders commissioned a poll, and they looked at it here last week. The poll consisted of swing voters, consisted of 42% Democrats, 35% Republicans, 20% independents. And on a generic Republican to Democrat basis, the Republican was up three points, 42% to 39. Now, considering the Democrat leading of the swing voter universe, that's a historic high for Republicans to have any generic ballot lead in this group. So it's clear that if we nominate a strong candidate, they would start as a front runner. However, An initial ballot test between Doug Mastriano and Josh Shapiro showed Shapiro at 49% already and Mastriano struggling at 41. This includes Mastriano losing an astounding 23% of the swing Republicans to Shapiro. This is an unsustainable number for a general election nominee for a party. You know, Senator Mastriano's image is already upside down with swing voters, with only 16% having a favorable opinion of him, while already 22% have an unfavorable opinion from him. And John, I'm sure you recall on Thursday... You know, the House committee investigating January 6th just came out and issued a whole bunch of new subpoenas. Well, Senator Mastriano has been subpoenaed to appear before this commission. I don't know what he's doing, but I certainly don't want to watch the next five months be about his uh, actions on January 6th, as well as some of these other folks. So after voters were informed about the key messages on Mastriano and Shapiro, Shapiro jumped out to a 12-point lead, and he pushes over 50%. So, you know, when we look at this purely at the numbers, you know, Senator Mastriano, while having a solid core base of support, he also has a, a solid ceiling, okay? And our concern is if Josh Shapiro, who's already sitting on $16 million in his war chest, and after he's the Democratic nominee, people will be lining up to give him money if Senator Mastriano is our candidate. I'm worried about Shapiro giving that money 
to his House and Senate candidates and hurting our folks down ballot. I mean, the real nightmare scenario would be for Shapiro to win the governor's mansion in November and enter office with a Democrat majority in both the House and Senate. That would be a nightmare, particularly while Republicans should be enjoying a red tsunami across this country. That's why I'm concerned. I believe that with the other candidates, you get the same policies, election reform, you know, pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, but you don't get the baggage that comes along with them. And that's why I'm uh, speaking out and urging our folks to consider whom they support on Tuesday at the polls. What do you think? I think the fact that Josh Shapiro has put out or TV ad says it all right there. Uh, I'm looking at a mailer right here that says Doug Mastriano, Trump's best friend in Pennsylvania. I mean, that should be alarming to all Republicans in Allegheny County and in Pennsylvania at large here. You know, if we want to win in November here, we need to back a candidate that has the best chance to do so. That's a great point, John. You know, you're talking about the mailers. Josh Shapiro also, I think he spent a million dollars, you know, on an ad buy, television ad buy, running commercials for Doug Mastriano. And as a matter of fact, the senator told Brad Bumstead from the caucus in an article earlier this week that, yes, those ads were going to help him. And he said, maybe I should send him a thank you note. Okay. I know that we won't be sending him a a thank you note. So, Yeah, it's pretty unprecedented, but we'll see what happens on Tuesday. Well, let's let's see what happens at these other candidates. Some of the folks that really can't see the finish line without a set of binoculars, you know, get the message and decide that maybe it's time, you know, for us to get out to allow us to be able to, uh, you know, put the best candidate forward. So let's see what happens on Tuesday. Good only hope. You know, we've had a couple Senate candidates. We've had a number of governor candidates come on our show here today. Uh, Today, I have somebody a little bit different here. I wanted to talk to somebody from the state level, the state legislature. And, you know, I I couldn't think of a better person to ask to come on this show than one of the hardest working legislators I know. And that would be uh, State House Representative Natalie Mihalik of Pennsylvania's 40th General Assembly District. Natalie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Sam. I appreciate it. Well, it's, we appreciate you joining us today. I mean, here we are, the show Elephant in the Room on WJS 1320 AM, and we're also on heard on 99.1 FM. So, you know, I hope you know that you'll be talking to plenty of folks here as the show gets out to the listeners, you know, out here in the Western Pennsylvania area. I want to give you an opportunity to sort of talk about some of the things that you have not just accomplished here and your past terms in Harrisburg, but what you look forward to accomplishing here once reelected. Yeah, no, thanks for the question. And I'm sure everybody's aware we're six days out from the election. And, you know, we've been out there talking to plenty of voters and, you know, they want to know what I'm seeking to do in the third term. And a lot of it is continuing some of the work that I've already undertaken. I'm going to continue to be an advocate for the voiceless. That's both the unborn. Those are are victims of crime. We just passed a series of smart justice laws the last time we were in Harrisburg, and there's still a lot of work to do in that realm. I want to continue to find ways to remove government from our everyday lives, whether that means empowering parents or restricting government overreach. And, you know, we tried to do that in these constitutional amendments. We were successful at, at doing that, at limiting some of the emergency powers of our governor. I think another way that we can do it, and I'll, I'll be excited to um, you know, keep the ball rolling on this, is that liquor privatization issue, which I don't think is necessarily about liquor. I think it's about how much we allow the government to involve themselves in our everyday lives. And I really think one of the most important duties for any legislature is using those hard-earned taxpayer dollars wisely. So we're approaching budget season now. Budget, of course, is due June 30th. We're looking at you know a $40 billion spend in this fiscal year, and that's a lot of money. Those are a lot of hard-earned tax dollars, and we need to account for every single dollar and make sure we're, you know, it's going into the right places. 
Well, thank you, Natalie. And, you know, you mentioned something here. You're talking about budget season. You know, we here in Allegheny County, we see the articles and the cries out from the Democrats wanting to spend you know, the money that you have left over from the American Recovery Plan. And, you know, they're talking about there's $5 billion that Governor Wolf wants to spend and shower on folks on his way out of office, you know, leaving us with a potential disaster, you know, next year into the future. What do you say to those folks? You know, Governor Wolf, for the last seven budget cycles, and I don't anticipate this one being any different, he's really, you know, in this fiscal fantasy land where, you know, money is everywhere and and we want to hand it out. And that's really not what the Republicans are are interested in doing in Harrisburg. We want to have a long-term plan for the economic development of our Commonwealth. And that includes plenty of family-sustaining jobs where you don't need handouts for the government. I think Wolf and his legacy will best be known for proposing those very large cradle-to-grave tax increases that thankfully Republicans have been able to stave off for all these years now. And I would expect, you know, we'll be able to save that off this year just with these revenue estimates that are coming in. Of course, the federal stimulus dollars that are still in the bank. But we really need to look at putting some of that money away in the rainy day fund and then using some of it to actually create economic growth for the long term. And so that's exactly, you know, what we'll be working on in, you know, the next five or six weeks here in Harrisburg. Well, that's great. You know, and, and Natalie, I know that one of the things that many of our legislators are facing today is they're dealing with a great deal of anger from some of our Republican base, you know, and they're concerned about why we haven't been able to accomplish more things, you know, in Harrisburg, in both the state Senate and the state house. But it seems like I know how hard you're working because I work closely with you as you try to do these things like secure our elections and deliver for the people of Allegheny County. But you just want to explain to some folks what trying to work with Governor Wolf and his team is like in Harrisburg and why you folks aren't able to get some of the things through that you would like to get through. Like I know, you know, that you guys have put up multiple election reform bills, you know, only to be vetoed and, you know, he he won't talk about this as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Could you just share for the folks what the difficulty is and why just because Republicans are the majority, you know, you just can't wave a wand and pass things into law. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's been... So I'm in my fourth year here in the legislature, and I will have to say, you know, the first year, year and a half prior to the pandemic, it was a little bit different. It was still contentious. You you would still butt heads with the other side of the aisle, but it's nowhere near what it became and what it's continued, you know, during and after the pandemic. There's a lot of anger. It's very, very difficult. Yes, we have majorities in both the Senate and the House, but we have a Democrat governor who is not willing to come to the table. He wouldn't come to the table on election reform. We badly need to update the election code, get the, you know this pre-canvassing done, and things like that that are going to make our elections run smoother and restore faith in the elections for all of all of the Pennsylvania voters. And he just won't even come to the table. And at some point, you have to think, well, what what is his end goal? Because he's clearly not working for the people of Pennsylvania. And you know, yes, we're in the majority and we're the ones driving the agenda. But at the end of the day, we've hit a wall on almost every initiative that's come forward, and many of which are for the good of Pennsylvania, not just, you know, pr- promoting one, one party over the other. So it's been extremely frustrating, and we won't be sad to see him go when he exits this December. Well, you know, and that's that's an important message for our voters to understand. You know, we saw firsthand what you're describing during the redistricting process. You know, under the Constitution, it says that the legislature is to take and assign the time and place and matter in which elections are to be conducted, okay? And, and as far as how redistricting is to be done. So it gives the power to the legislature. But it also provides that if the legislature and the governor can fail to come to an agreement, that then it gets pushed off and deferred to the Supreme Court. Well, Tom Wolf never, ever came to the table at all. You know, he refused 
to negotiate or get involved because he knew going to the Supreme Court would deliver the outcome that he wanted to see. You know, and uh, folks need to understand, again, what you guys are dealing with up there and why it's so important not just to reelect a Republican House and a Senate, but also to elect a Republican governor in November of 2022. Yes. I mean, I, I think in many regards, he has failed to do his due diligence uh, for the people of Pennsylvania, whether that means you know, coming to the table, vetting different policies and bills that you know, come before him. He's quick with the veto pen and not so quick when it comes to actually working to get things done for Pennsylvania. Well, Natalie, thank you very much. And what I'd like to ask you is give you the opportunity to speak directly to the voters of your district. What would you have to say to them now in closing on why they should support you on Tuesday, May 17th? Oh, and I appreciate that opportunity. If you're listening and you're from the 40th district, that's Upper St. Clair, Bethel Park, and Peters Township. I am your state representative. I'm seeking a third term. I work very hard for the people in my community, and I want to keep it a great place and make it an even better one. So I'm asking for your vote this next Tuesday to send me back to Harrisburg to keep doing the work that I've been doing. And Natalie, if someone wants to help your campaign and help you, how would they go about it? Uh, that's right. So my website is nataliemihalik.com, and you can send us an email right through the website, and we'd be happy to take your help, whether that means yard signs or work in a poll, or if you just have a general question for me in advance of the election, just visit the website. That was nataliemihalik.com, right? Yes. That's great. You know, something that you said today, now I knew this, but I don't know if our listeners do, is that you've only been in Harrisburg four years, okay? Yes. Uh, sworn into office January 1st of 2019. Right. If you listen to some of the other folks out there, you would think you were a career politician, right? I mean, it's, it's, uh, that's what the opposition says after, you know, this uh, three and a half years, essentially, I'm a career politician. But right. that's OK. They, you know, they've got to hit you somewhere. I think everybody that knows me knows how hard I've been working for the district. And in only my three short years, maybe it seems like I'm a career politician, but I've already passed you know, four, four bills. And, you know, some people do take the whole span of a career to do just that, what I've been able to accomplish in three short years. Well, some people are show horses and others are workhorses, and you're certainly the latter. Natalie, thank you so much for joining our show. I wish you the very best of luck on Tuesday. Look forward to seeing you soon. Have a great Thanks, day. Dan. You too. Republican committees, large and small, trust get elected to help them reach more voters, find more volunteers, and raise more money. All to get more conservative candidates elected to important down-ballot positions. And all for less than most of us pay for cable. Visit getelected.org to learn more. Hey, John, this is great. We have our next person on the phone here. Is somebody that a lot of folks are going to want to hear because she has been uh, rising in the polls here lately and has really put on a surge. She's generated a ton of interest and is uh, somebody that uh, many of the conservative groups are out there endorsing, and that would be Kathy Barnett. Kathy, thank you for joining us here at The Elephant in the Room on WJAS 1320 AM. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's our pleasure. Thank you for joining us. Hey, Kathy, uh, I know this has been quite an experience. Uh, You've been running for a while here. You've been crisscrossing the state. You've been talking to a lot of people. And you know, I'm sure the last few weeks after a breakout performance you had in the last debate up in Grove City has really put you in the public eye, captured national attention, and folks are out there and, uh, you know, supporting you. Tell us a little bit about this experience. I mean, it's both humbling and exciting, right? When someone says to you, I'm voting for you. I mean, that that does not get old. It is like, thank you so much, right? People mm-hmm. are looking for hope. People are looking for leadership that will lead our country. People are feeling very unnerved about where our country 
country is right now. People are looking for hope. People are looking to make sense out of a world that doesn't feel like it makes sense any longer. Like today, I was talking to someone who mentioned what we, America, have given to Ukraine for their defense is roughly $58 billion. And that is almost the size of what of Russia's entire defense budget is. I believe Ukraine's defense budget is only $6 billion. So we have committed, if this bill goes through, $58 billion. And then, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about last night, I was talking to a father who was in the car driving a couple of hours away from his home because his wife heard that there's baby formula over, you know, in some other town. Mm -hmm. Don't get it. And stockpile, right? So they have a, a baby at home. We have very real problems here in our country, and very few people seem to be focused on how to make this nation work for the bottom 90%. So, yeah, Kathy, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we have a lot of problems in this country. We have inflation at a 40-year high. We have record gas prices. We have supply chain crisis. And as you pointed out, we have a formula shortage where folks are worried about how are they going to feed their babies. You know, mothers that can't breastfeed, you know, they can't just you know put milk in a bottle and give it to their children, right? So, I mean, we have a lot of problems here. Now, I understand supporting Ukraine, and I think, you know, we should. But I also believe in America first and Pennsylvania first. We need to take care of things at home. Where do you stand in regard to that? Yeah, well, I agree with you. You know, I, I believe in order to to help the world, we have to help America. It's kind of like being on a flight and they say, you know, before you put the mask on the person next to you, secure yourself. And, you know, right now, our foreign affairs policies out of this administration looks like a crazy game of whack-a-mole. Like whatever pops his head up, they pounce on it, right? Today is Ukraine. Tomorrow is going to be something else. And I don't believe that that is the most effective way to run the, the leader of the free world. And so, again, I believe in order to help the world, we need to be secure here in America. And I believe one of the best ways to help the world is for America to become energy independent again. You know, do we really believe that Russia would have engaged in this battle if America and European nations did not allow Putin to control over 10% of the world's energy source? Yes, Putin is a pariah, but guess what? He was a pariah under the Trump administration as well. What was it that stopped him? One, I believe it is the person who now occupies the White House and the weakness and the fecklessness coming out of that administration. But I also believe that he has gotten a tremendous boom in resources as we cripple our own energy independence and we get on our hands and knees and go around the world begging for others to give it to us what we can produce ourselves right here in Pennsylvania. I think we need, to, in order to, you know, secure ourselves, again, energy independence. Secondly, I believe China is going to do a Hong Kong on Taiwan. And when that happens, we cannot be engaged in two different battles. Imagine how we are, will have stretched our resources trying to fight on two different continents. And not only stretching our resources, but stretching our allies. If you're paying attention, the world is shifting. And our allies are not snuggling up to us any longer. The Biden administration is is teaching our enemies we are not to be feared and the, this administration is teaching our friends that we are treacherous as friends right look at afghanistan mm -hmm. and so we, we so we need to begin to shore up ourselves make america strong again put america first 
again, secure our own national borders before we try to help someone else secure their national border. There's a lot of things we need to do at home, and we can still help, we can still provide, but we can't do that to the exclusion of taking care of Americans. Uh, understood, and I couldn't agree more. Now, Kathy, with this surge in the polls and putting you up there basically in a tie you know, for first, okay, with the other candidates, that's also led to some increased scrutiny. And I know there's been a lot of stuff going back and forth on Twitter and things like that. I had someone send me videos saying some different things. But when I had one of my members of my team look at them, they said that you were often taken out of context. You know, based upon this process, you know, based upon this process, what do you have to say, you know, about those things, you know, uh, in regard to what's happening? I mean, it's like, welcome to politics, right? Uh-huh. Well, you know, well, there's a reason why, you know, good people don't want to get involved in politics. Uh, but, you know, Edmund Burke said the only thing that is necessary for evil to prevail is for good people to do nothing. And because good people don't want to get in politics because you get this kind of visceral reaction if you're not handpicked by, you know, by the establishment, you know, we don't get involved. And as such, we've created a void that has been filled by some of the most despotic individuals, right, with their mm-hmm. ridiculous ideologies. And so that's the reason why I jumped in and the first place is because good people need to begin to occupy these spaces. But at the same time, the media should be vetting. And I am completely open and upfront. I have never hid the fact that I'm running for Senate. And I have, I've, I've never told someone I don't want to be interviewed by you. I've taken overwhelmingly the majority of interviews that has come to me. So it's not my fault that mainstream media has not been able to do a vetting. It's their fault. I've been campaigning for the past 13 months. I, we started off doing 900 miles a week across the Commonwealth, moved to 1,000. Now we're at over uh, roughly 1,500 miles a week all across the Commonwealth. And so we have been out there. We have been everywhere. I've participated in almost every debate that I can think of, whereas Mamet Oz and McCormick has only, we've had seven debates. They've only engaged in two of them. We had a number of forums, a lot of forums, and I can only remember seeing them twice. And so I have been out there. I've not been hiding. I, you know, I was on Sean Hannity's show about seven times before Oz jumped into the race. But when I was on, he loved me. He would talk about me even when I wasn't on his show, talking about me to other guests on his show. And now all of a sudden, you know, he puts out this hit piece as if he didn't have an opportunity seven different times to ask me any of the questions he seems to want to know now. But I have made myself readily available. But up until yesterday, no one, everyone is acting like I just crawl from up under a rock yesterday and that's not the case and so I have made myself available I am making myself available but I'm very excited because with this kind of lies and I mean the videos are just just horrible with their editing and slicing trying to you know get me to say something that I have never said I have not evolved on the fact that I believe our nation is not systemically racist. I've never evolved on what I believe about Black Lives Matter Incorporated. I do not believe they care about black lives. I have never evolved on that. I have never evolved on my hatred for the concept of defunding the police. I, you know, but even as I say these things to you now, they will take away, they will only keep the word defund the police, systemic racism, Black Lives Matter, and they will bunch it all together and say, see, 
this is what she's saying. Well, <laughs> and that's exactly what those videos look like. Well, that's that's what's wrong about politics. You're absolutely right. This is why more good people don't get involved because they don't want to put themselves and their family through that. And, you know, so I denounce, you know, some of these things here where they're taking and assembling videos to try to make it look like you're saying something that you're not. But I do understand there are legitimate questions to be asked. Mm-hmm. You know, I read the piece from uh, Selena Zito in the Washington Examiner. You know, where she had contacted your campaign asking for some information only to be told that you wanted to keep your past uh, past history private. And he said, I, I think the quote was, I'm sure you understand. Well, I think for Republicans, the concern that we have is based upon, if you look back to 2010 and Christine O'Donnell in Delaware, you know, she was a Tea Party darling. I was in the Tea Party. So she was all over cable news. People loved her. And then she comes out after she's a nominee and says, hey, I'm not a witch. I'm I'm like you, Right. And then she goes on to lose to Chris Coons. So I think the uh, certainly the timing here for these folks to talk to you and ask for some more additional background information just to support the stuff you're saying, I think that's fair game. But I think that anybody trying to create things or make something to shade that's not true, I think is reprehensible. And I couldn't support that. So I, I, well, yeah. I feel bad for well, you. Well, yeah. Well, listen, I mean, it, the piece out of the Washington Examiner is disingenuous. I was, again, I've been campaigning for 13 months. They only have taken notice of me yesterday. Uh, mm-hmm. Yesterday, I was in Elk County, and I was driving down. If anyone is familiar with Elk County, there's a lot of places where you can lose signal. My campaign manager, we are a lean but mean grassroots organization. And now everyone has just recognized that I exist and they want to talk to us. My team is working very hard. And then they get this phone call and, you know, Selena wants, you know, the DD214. She wants, you know, verify the, the college I went to, what share, you know, all this information. And he's like, I don't have it right now. I can't get it for you. She gets off the phone. And writes this piece, which, you know, has now been picked up. And people are like, well, what is she hiding? I'm not hiding anything. So I think it took us about five hours to get from Elks County back home. I come into my office, find my form, and take a picture and put those out. So this isn't looking for the truth, looking to vet. This is how can we do a hit job. Now, I think it's very legitimate for people to ask legitimate questions. And when I was on Sean Hannity for seven different times, I believe it was, he had ample time to ask legitimate questions. We've been out here. Uh, I've been calling, trying, begging people to get me on their show. The only two people they wanted to talk to were the two rich men. And they didn't want, and even I've been in a statistical tie for first place for about four weeks now. And only yesterday, people want to uh, talk to me. I think that's the story. They have spent well over $60 million. I've spent less than $2 million. And I'm in a statistical tie. So they've had about four weeks as they were doing their jobs and not being derelict in their duty to, you know, to put out unbiased information. And now that they were derelict in their duty, they want to pretend that it's me. And you have a lot of people who would try to take advantage of that. But this is great. My name is getting out there all the more. People will really know that they have a better option. And I'm very excited for the people of Pennsylvania because if they keep their head on a swivel, you will actually have the opportunity (laughs) to get someone in office who will actually work for you. So don't be fooled by the foolishness. Okay. Well, Kathy Barnett, if someone wanted to help your campaign, how would they go about it? You please go to barnettforsenate.com. We are, you know, putting the pedal to the metal. We're not relenting at all. Very excited.
Well, listen, good luck on Tuesday, Kathy. Thank you for joining us here at The Elephant in the Room. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, John, wasn't that a great interview with Kathy Barnett? I mean, she's, you know, she, she certainly has some questions that remain to be answered, but uh, she was pushing back hard on some of the stuff that's out there from the Oz campaign and some of the detractors out there on social media. You know, one of the things I wanted to do here as we look toward our last segment of the show is really get a veteran's take on this Senate race here as we move forward. And who better than to call than Sean Parnell? You know, Sean was the person that I originally supported for this race before he suspended his campaign, you know, and decided that he was going to focus on his family at this particular time. But Sean is watching what's going on. He's involved. And I wanted to get his take. Sean, thank you for joining us at the Elephant in the Room here on WJAS 1320 AM. Oh, well, first of all, you're welcome, Sam, and, and always. And boy, um, this Senate race is really going to be a dead heat. <laughs> With five <laughs> days left, Five days left to go. It just feels like, you know, of the top three contenders right now, it could go either way. And it's it's been fun to watch. A little bit nerve-wracking because, as you mentioned in the intro, I think that there still are, even despite some of Kathy's answers, questions that really need to be answered and in further detail. So, and really, I've been watching it unfold on social media. I, I've been trying to, to get answers to some of the questions that I have for myself. I feel like I've gotten some, I've not gotten others, but, you know, that's the name of the game. This is politics, you know. Uh, candidates get asked questions, and I think the best ones provide good answers, right? Because as a candidate, if you are going to ask people for their votes, well, then they have a right to vet you and ask questions of you. <laughs> so that's sort of where I'm at. That's how I see all this. And so I'm just going to keep asking. Absolutely. And we try to explain that, you know, along with that surge in the polls comes increased scrutiny. And folks just want to make sure that whomever they vote for on Tuesday, you know, is going to be able to withstand you know, the vetting that the Democrats will put forth is they prepare for November. It's important we get the answers to these questions so we don't end up like another Christine O'Donnell, you know, from Delaware. I know. Look, that's exactly right. And what's so fascinating about the Christine O'Donnell tie is, remember, she had, what what did she say in her ad? Like, I'm not a witch. Yes, I'm not a witch. I'm like you. Yeah. Yeah. So who stole half of that phrase? So it's not it's not without irony that I say this. Kathy, you know, uh, some of her supporters, I think, are rightfully who who are all rightfully skeptical of the media, right? Uh, you know, are questioning you know some of the questions that she's gotten this close to the primary, and they say, well, you know, she has she's been in the race for a year, and this is the first year asking these questions. And I, you know, sort of think to myself, well, first of all. Like, there's no, like, deadline for asking questions, right? <laughs> that, like, right. like assumes that, like, hey, I was in the race for a year, but you're not allowed to ask me questions this close to the primary. That's not how any of this works, you know? And you are absolutely right. I mean, she's seen a meteoric rise in the poll in the polls over the last couple of weeks. And, you know, what comes with that is increased scrutiny, you know? Because I think, you know, whether for, for better or for worse here, Sam, it's like, you know, when you're polling at, you know, 0.05, maybe people don't care as much about the answers right. to some of the questions you have, because maybe they don't think you're a real contender. But now she is, and so she's got to answer the tough questions. Well, Sean, that, that's an interesting take, and, and I agree. You know, it's the uh, it's the surge in the polls that is causing more people to pay attention. And again, you know, with that comes increased scrutiny, and she's assured our audience that she's open to standing for that scrutiny, and she said she has nothing to hide. You know, I'd like to ask you, because when you were in the race and I supported you, you know, you were 
far and above in the polls the people's choice to be the next senator from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. So you touched on a nerve. You understand what the people are looking for and what it takes to win. So I'd like to ask you, who do you support and why? Well, first of all, thank you for saying that. You know, running for office is like one of the most amazing privileges you know, any person can have because, you know, to me, you know, running for office is, is about service. And what I used to say in, on the stump, if service is beneath you, true leadership will always be beyond you. And I think that I understood that. And ultimately, you know, Sam, just to, to address probably what, what's on everybody's mind, that's ultimately why I got out of the race. You know, I got dinged up in a custody trial. I'll say nothing that was said during that trial was was true. I'm I'm happy to talk about it, answer any questions that people have about them uh, about that trial. But but I left the race because you know I wanted to focus on my family. My kids only get one childhood. I want to make sure that I'm there for it. And and ultimately, I knew in my heart of hearts that while I was still in the primary, because as you mentioned, when I got out, I was up by over 20 points in the polls. We were out raising everybody in the race combined. And of course, this is before Dr. Oz and, and Dave McCormick got in and, and, and all that. But I got out because I didn't want to hurt our party's chance at winning and holding this seat. I knew that my name was dinged up for better or for worse. Perception is reality. And the Democrats in the general election would put $100 million behind advertising to drive that fake narrative home. And I was not willing to risk that you know this the state and this and, and our party and the people come before me so i stepped down and i endorsed dave mccormick on his first day in the race and you know sam the reason for that is is you know this is a guy that is born and raised uh, he's a western pennsylvania guy you know division one wrestler and for those of people like like maybe they follow wrestling maybe they don't but if you don't wrestling in western pennsylvania is like kind of a big deal you know like absolutely like, you know i wrestled i got my butt kicked all the time like, you know, you, you see these kids that these kids that graduate in Western Pennsylvania, they go on to be state champions and division one wrestlers like, well, Dave was one of those people like people, you know, the level of commitment to, uh, and dedication to, to excellence that it takes to be a, a state champion wrestler, a division one wrestler is unbelievable. And not only does he does he do that, but he goes to West Point. And the only reason he leaves the state is to serve. Then he goes to combat, goes to ranger school, becomes a ranger, served his country. And then after all that comes back to Western Pennsylvania starts a business, creates 600 jobs, really leads the way on the revitalization of Western Pennsylvania. That's a big deal to me, man. You know, here here you have a guy that when he had nothing, right? Because like you see these criticisms on TV, always a hedge fund manager, but look at what people do when they have nothing. Dave volunteered to serve this country. He went to war for this country. He put his life on the line for this country. He came back and he lived the American dream. But isn't that the trappings and blessings of what it means to be an American and live in this great country. So he's done incredible, incredible things at every turn of his life. He's put his country before himself, and that matters to me, Sam. And so, you know, who the heck knows how this thing is going to go in the last five days, but I'm going to sprint with him to the finish because I think he's the best qualified for the job. Well, you know, as a Marine Corps veteran myself, you know, I have a great deal of respect and I support Dave as well. I mean, here's a gentleman that's been successful at everything he's ever done in life. Everything. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And whatever he was involved with, he rose to the top and that demonstrates leadership. And we know that going down to the Senate, you don't just make decisions in a vacuum. You can't just wave a wand and make things happen. You have to build consensus. And I believe he's somebody that can lead. And that's why I support him as well. Absolutely. I mean, and so as you said, like it's anyone's, it's anyone's ball game at this point. But look, Dave is, is from Western Pennsylvania. You know, as you know, he's going to have 
heck, I believe he's going to have Allegheny County next to his name on the ballot. It is. And we are going to represent for him. <laughs> I just, just how, that's how we roll in the West, you know? And I think, I don't know, man, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I, I like, you know, when I'm in the race, I don't want it to be close, but I'm kind of excited that it's, that it's going to be a sprint to the finish here, you know? Yep. So the people are engaged and they care. No, no, absolutely. And, I, you know, I want to make a statement here, too. It's the chair. Well, you know, as a chairman of the Republican Committee of Allegheny County, I have been extremely fair to every single candidate. Any candidate that has asked for anything has received it from us. Anybody that's wanted help, wanted access to lists, wanted uh, events, whatever, we've provided. But by the same token, you know, as an American citizen and someone who served this country, I also have the, the rights of the First Amendment. And that's why, you know, I'm speaking out and saying that I support Dave and uh, look forward to voting for him on Tuesday. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for joining us here at the Elephant in the Room on WJAS, 1320 AM. Folks, we'll see you next week.